Our first reading for this afternoon is from the 34th and 35th chapters of Exodus. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days' work shall be done. But on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins and goat skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones, and stones for setting for the ephod and for the breastpiece. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle. Its tent and its covering, its hooks and its frames, its bars, its pillars and its bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the veil of the screen, the table with its poles and all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand also for the light with its utensils and its lamps and the oil for the light and the altar of incense with its poles and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the door at the door of the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its grating of bronze, its poles and all its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and its bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs of the tabernacle, and the pegs of the court and their cords, The finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place. The holy garments for Aaron, the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests. Then all the congregation of the people of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him, and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service, and for the holy garments. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Our second reading is from the seventh chapter of Luke. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to Simon, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet and her with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. We continue our recitation of the Lord's Prayer with the conclusion. What is the conclusion? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What does this mean? This means that I should be certain that these petitions are pleasing to our Father in heaven and are heard by him. For he himself has commanded us to pray in this way and has promised to hear us. Amen, amen, means yes, yes, it shall be so. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We just recited the conclusion to the Lord's Prayer with all of its many petitions. And what's so fascinating about this conclusion is how we ended it. The meaning of it said this. Luther wrote that I should be certain that these petitions are not only pleasing to God, but they're heard by him and that he has promised to hear us. That's quite a pledge. The number one, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, of course, it's almost a no-brainer. Yes, it's pleasing to God. He's the one who taught it. But every time you pray that, 
He really is listening. He really is hearing to everything that we pray. Hallowed be thy name. That God's name would be kept holy in our lives. That God's kingdom would come. That his reign of his word would still exist. And not just this world, but in our own hearts and souls. That his will would be done. That he would vanquish the devil and especially our greatest enemy of death. That he would give us this day our daily bread. Recognize that everything we have in our lives, from our clothes to our food to our shoes to our house to our home, they're all gifts from God. To forgive us our trespasses. Forgive those who trespass against us. Maybe one of the greatest ones. Ones in which we owe God a holy life. And that is something we cannot give on our own. So we pray to be forgiven. He hears that. And he does that. We also pray not to be led into temptation. We know God doesn't tempt us. The devil does. But he does allow us to be tested sometimes. And we prayed that God would deliver us from evil. Every evil of body and soul. And as the petition said, finally to take us from this veil of tears to himself in heaven. These are all the petitions we have been talking about for the past two months. And each and every one of these are ones pleasing to God. And each and every one of these are ones that God actually does hear and is willing to listen to us. No matter what. And no matter what we are and no matter who we are. This is what God wants. And you actually saw someone living this today. As we all should. It was the woman in the story from Luke who had the guts to come and beg for forgiveness from Jesus. She's described in in this passage from Luke as a sinner. And it's pretty much across the board that when a woman in the Gospels is described as a sinner, it means that she is either a prostitute or an adulterer, or was that at one point. And because she had either done that at one point, or still was that, she was considered unclean by the Jews, dirty. Her sin had blackened her soul forever. There's no way to clean it. She's dirty and disgusting. You would treat gum at the bottom of your shoe better than you would treat this woman. She was that low. And what does she do? She has the guts to come. And basically pray a petition of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive me my trespasses. Right? And she literally does it in tears. Saying no words. But sometimes our hearts don't have to say a single word. Right? The spirit inside of us can sometimes articulate what we're thinking and feeling with aches and moans and groans and cries better than we can with words. She didn't need words. She showed it in actions, weeping, tears falling on Jesus' feet, wiping his feet with her hair, kissing his feet, taking ointment, very expensive ointment, and pouring it all over him. This was an act of repentance. What she was doing was an act of devotion, showing her love to Christ. This was an act of worship. 
And that's when Simon, and it should have been a beautiful thing. Everyone should have rejoiced at this. The angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. Then there's dear Simon, the Pharisee. And he said this, or <laughs> love him. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Funny thing about the Jews and their concept of sin, they thought it could be transmitted by touch. Like a cold or the flu. <laughs> so you have a nasty, dirty sinner near you. You walk or you walk around them. And better yet, they walk around you. Because if they touch you or you shake their hands, you've like passed their sin on to you. So for Simon, looking at Jesus, he's thinking, Jesus, you're nothing. You're not even. And this is what Simon's thinking in his head. I thought you were a prophet. You did miracles. You say great things. But oh, you're letting this nasty woman touch you. You're not even a prophet. Because you would have known what kind of woman this was. And you wouldn't let her touch her. You wouldn't let her touch you because her sin would come on to you. That's what he's thinking. And he's right. Simon's right. And that's exactly why Jesus came into this world. To be touched by sinners. He came into this world in flesh to take on our sin. Didn't he? He didn't come to live a perfect holy life just for himself and sit up on a chair on a throne. He came to take our sins onto himself. To absorb them all. To take them to a cross. And through his death actually put them to death. That's why he came. So Simon, you're right. But you're wrong, Simon, because he is a prophet and this is the Christ and that's what the Christ came to do. That's what the Apostle Paul himself wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 when he said this. For our sake, God the Father made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ did not know any sin himself. He never committed a sin. But he absorbed our sin on himself. So much so that the Apostle Paul even said so that he would be made sin. Made him to be sin. If anyone ever asks you, who's the, who's the worst sinner in all of history? Adolf Hitler? Some other human? No. The worst sinner in all of history? Jesus Christ. Why? Because he took all of our sin onto himself. Right? Every single sin of every single human being. And put it to death. And he did that. And this goes back to the... the the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer that we were praying today, that we were talking about. Every time we pray through the Lord's Prayer, we can be certain 
that all of these are not only pleasing to Christ, he taught the prayer. They're heard by him. He wants to hear them and he's promised to hear us because he's promised to give us everything that we pray for in the Lord's Prayer. He promises that because he did that by taking all of our sin onto himself and putting it to death. He did all of that for us so that we can know for certainty that our sins really have been taken away from us and placed on him. And because of that, especially during the Easter season, we celebrate that death has been destroyed. Because death follows sin. Remember, the wages of sin is death. But if you take away sin, there's no more death. It's gone. That's what Jesus did. And that's why we Christians have the greatest of hopes in this world. A hope that unbelievers don't have. The hope of the resurrection of the dead and life everlasting with Jesus. And all the saints who have ever gone before us. A whole host of people we've never even met yet. But we will one day. And we will all be together with them forever in heaven. All because of what Jesus Christ did. By allowing sinners like us to touch him. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.